Hey friends, welcome back to the Catwalk. My name is Clark Cowden. I'm the host for this podcast, and I'm glad that you've joined me again today. Uh, today's message is uh, being broadcast on Sunday, January the 3rd. This is the first Sunday of the new year, and we're beginning a new four-week message series on New Year's resolutions. Uh, today we're going to talk about growing in your faith. Uh, as we've just uh, come through a rather difficult year, actually a very difficult year, uh, one of the things that maintains us and gives us strength and stability is having a strong faith. So today we're going to talk about some spiritual practices that can help you be grounded and continue to grow even in some very difficult times. So I invite you to sit back and relax and reflect on this message about growing in your faith. Last month, Jim Collins published a new book called Beyond Entrepreneurship 2.0. In that book, he made this statement. History is the study of surprises. This line captures the world in which we live. We are living history. Surprise after surprise after surprise. And just when we think we've had all the big surprises for a while, along comes another one. If the first two decades of the 21st century have taught us anything, it's that uncertainty is chronic, instability is permanent, disruption is common, and we can neither predict nor govern events. There will be no new normal. There will only be a continuous series of not normal episodes defying prediction and unforeseen by most of us until they happen. I think he's right. This past year has thrown a lot of people for a loop. We didn't see it coming, and many of us have struggled to respond well. We are all hoping that 2021 will be a better year, but it's still going to be a long time before things begin to change, and even then, we don't know what life is going to look like. Rather than hoping that things will go back to the way they used to be, we need to learn to adapt to the new world. We need to figure out how to live in a world of surprises, uncertainty, instability, and disruption. In ancient Greek mythology, there was a story about a labyrinth that was unnavigable and inescapable. Those who entered never exited. Within the maze was a minotaur, a fearsome creature that was half man, half bull. Every nine years, the king of Crete demanded that the Athenians send seven boys and seven girls to be sacrificed to the minotaur. On the occasion of the third Minotaur Games, the Prince of Athens volunteered himself as tribute to go in place of the others. The daughter of the Cretan king, Princess Ariadne, fell in love with him. She didn't want to lose him, and she knew that no one who ventured into the labyrinth had ever found their way out. So she came up with a plan. 
Ariadne gave the prince a sword to slay the minotaur and a ball of thread. After tying one end of the thread to the entrance, the prince unwound the ball as he wove his way through the spider web of corridors. After successfully slaying the minotaur, he was able to moonwalk his way out of the labyrinth by following Ariadne's thread. Life is like a labyrinth. Last year was especially like a labyrinth. It's full of all kinds of twists and turns we didn't see coming. We zig through big decisions and zag through bad ones. We get into situations we don't know how to get out of. And then we also encounter some minotaurs along the way. Weaving our way through a world of surprise, uncertainty, instability, and disruption is confusing at best and depressing at worst. What is the real-life ball of thread that can lead us out of this maze? For thousands of years, the church has taught people a series of spiritual practices that can strengthen your faith in Jesus Christ, open your eyes, help you become wise, and sustain you as you walk through the maze of life. While there are lots of spiritual practices we could talk about, today I want to talk about five that you can count on your five fingers on one hand <coughs> that will help you grow in your faith and help you get through this new year. They are personal worship, public worship, service, generosity, and invitation. Number one is daily personal worship. Daily personal worship involves reading the Bible and praying every day. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, All scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient, equipped for every good work. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 and 18 says, Rejoice always, pray constantly, and give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Personal worship, reading your Bible and praying daily, is like eating food and drinking water. It's something we need to do every day to keep ourselves strong and healthy. It's like breathing out and breathing in. It's like talking to your spouse or your kids or your best friend. It's like exercising. It's something that our spirits need to do every day in order to stay strong and stay in shape. Prayer is simply communicating to God. It's sharing your thoughts and feelings and worries and concerns and hopes with God. The book of Psalms in the Old Testament is the Bible's prayer book. When you read the Psalms, you see people expressing the whole range of emotions to God, whether they are happy or sad, 
angry or excited. God is big enough. He can handle however you are feeling. Reading the Bible is one way we listen to God. We talk about general revelation and special revelation. General revelation is where you can learn about God by looking at nature. The sun, the moon, the stars, the trees, the plants, and the animals. You can know that God exists that way. But God has also given us special revelation in the Bible. This is where God reveals much more to us about who he is and what he is like. You can think of the letters B-I-B-L-E as standing for basic instructions before leaving earth. Daily personal worship is an important spiritual practice that will help you grow stronger in your faith. The second finger on your hand is weekly public worship. Hebrews 10, 24, and 25 says, Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. The Christian faith is not a solitary faith. It is a community faith. 1 Corinthians 12 talks about how we are all part of the body of Christ and we all have different spiritual gifts. We need each other. We need to worship together on a weekly basis. Right now, we are doing that online. But when we have the opportunity to gather together again in person, there is something encouraging about being together to worship God. It's something that we need to do vertically to grow in our relationship with God and horizontally so that we can grow in our relationships with one another. Both are important to an enduring faith in Christ. Worship is not something we attend. Worship is not something we watch. Worship is something we do. We don't gather together to be entertained, but to respond to God's love and truth with our praise and gratitude, offering ourselves to God and seeking to bless others. Our souls are like our cell phones. My cell phone can hold its charge for about a day although sometimes less, if I'm using my GPS or listening to podcasts or a lot of music. If I forget to plug it in and recharge it overnight, the battery goes dead, and all of a sudden it's useless to me. Our souls are like our cell phones. They need recharging. When we come together to worship, we are plugged into the source of our spiritual power. In the midst of giving thanks, confessing our sins, asking for forgiveness, and praising and opening our hearts to God, we can experience the power of the Holy Spirit in the community. Weekly public worship is the second finger, the second spiritual practice to help us grow 
in our faith. The third finger on your hand, the third spiritual practice, is serving God monthly. In Matthew 20, 26, and 28, Jesus says, Whoever wishes to be great among you must be your servant, just as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. The Methodist Church began in England in the 1700s with an evangelical revival led by John and Charles Wesley and others. When John Wesley called people to turn from their sins and accept Christ as their Savior, he also called them to work for the transformation of the world. In his thinking, true holiness was not just about personally refraining from evil and doing good at the individual level. It was also about loving your neighbor. Loving your neighbor meant both helping them to believe in Jesus spiritually and physically making sure they had food to eat, clothes to wear, good health care, and good education. It's not difficult to practice kindness every day, but it does require some intentionality, determination, and even patience. We talk about spiritual practices because we want to make them habits. <clears throat> we want them to become regular parts of our lives that we can do without thinking, the way that great athletes exercise every day, or great authors write every day, or great musicians practice every day. When you begin your day with prayer, you can pray the words of Isaiah, Here I am, Lord send me. And then our job is to pay attention to what is going on around us throughout the day, to look for who God is bringing into our lives, and how God might want us to respond and to serve. The Mayo Clinic has done a series of studies that have found that people who volunteer have a lower rate of depression. Volunteers were more physically and mentally fit. They had lower stress levels, which leads to longer lives. Another study found that people who were very happy volunteered about an average of six hours per month. People who volunteer have lower blood pressure than those who don't. It turns out that serving others is actually good for your physical health. It's also good for your spiritual health. When we serve others, we become more like Christ. Serving others is the third spiritual practice. <clears throat> the fourth finger on your hand, the fourth spiritual practice, is selfless generosity. In Matthew 6, 19 to 21, Jesus says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus is making clear that your relationship with your money 
can either sabotage your spiritual life or deepen it and support it. Many people follow the ancient Greek philosophy of hedonism, which believes that the highest good is maximizing your own pleasure. They think the goal of life is to minimize your own pain and focus all your efforts on being as happy as you can be. But people who are focused on their own pleasure are some of the unhappiest people around. You can never be happy enough. You use other people to please yourself. And you don't really care about others. You just care about what makes you happy. The Bible flips this around and says we were made for generosity. We were created to make others happy, to meet other people's needs, and to make others' lives better. In Arthur Brooks's book, Who Really Cares?, he noted that the most generous people in America are people who are religious. Their faith motivates them to give not just to their churches or synagogues, but to many other things as well. <clears throat> His study of generosity found that 91% of people who claim to be religious give to charity compared to 66% of non-religious people. So what is the rhythm of your life when it comes to generosity? Are you stingy with tips? Do you give generously when people are in need? Do you look forward when people give you the opportunity to contribute financially? I want to encourage you to give financially to this church this year and to give to other good causes too. Generosity is a spiritual practice that will strengthen your faith. The more you give, the more you will receive. Finally, the fifth finger on your hand, the fifth spiritual practice, is sharing our faith. Matthew 4, 18 to 20 says, As Jesus walked alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, throwing fishing nets into the sea because they were fishermen. Come follow me, he said, and I'll show you how to fish for people. Right away they left their nets and followed him. Jesus invited people to follow him. We are called to invite people to follow him too. This is actually a spiritual practice. Sharing your faith with someone else, testifying about why you believe, giving witness to your faith, inviting someone to worship with you online or on site. This is a practice that will deepen your faith. You may know some people who are skeptical about faith. You may know some people who have been turned off by organized religion or hurt by a church or put down by domineering Christians. Some people have heard and believed fake news about the church, and it can be hard to break through that. None of us are perfect in how we live out our faith. I am not perfect in how I live out my faith. I still make mistakes. 
But we are called to live out our faith in Jesus in public and share our faith in such a way that people can see Christ in us. Luke 19.10 tells us that the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. That was Jesus' mission. And as his followers, that becomes our mission. In Matthew 28, 19 to 20, Jesus says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. For lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus doesn't want us to wait for people to come to us. He wants us to go to them, to seek them out and save them, and help them get connected to God through him. You can find more than five spiritual practices in the Bible, but these are some of the most common ones that have stood the test of time over thousands of years. If you put these into practice in your life on a regular basis, they will help your faith mature. These work regardless of the times we live in. They not only work in the good times, they work in times of surprise, uncertainty, instability, and disruption. We live in a time where a strong faith is absolutely essential. So many people today are getting lost in the labyrinth of life or destroyed by minotaurs or monsters that are waiting to devour us. But Jesus Christ is like Ariadne's thread. If we follow his yarn, he will lead us back out of the maze that so many people get lost in. If you want to grow stronger in your faith this year, I want to encourage you to count these five spiritual practices on the five fingers of your hand. Personal worship daily, community worship weekly, serving regularly, giving regularly, and sharing your faith and inviting others to worship regularly. God bless. Stay safe. See you soon.